Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com and there you will find all the best parts available for your car or truck. And when you're done and they ask, how did you hear about us? Right Locked On Podcast so they know that we sent you. up everybody welcome into locked on tigers i'm your host chris castellani it is tuesday may 4th 2021 may the 4th be with you everybody happy star wars day today's show is a crossover episode with gabrielle star of locked on red sox she does a bang up job covering the first place red sox it was a very fun like casual conversation like there was it was so casual and I mean this in the best way that there was a moment where I forgot that we were even recording it just kind of and, and I'd never talked to her uh in that uh platform before we'd messaged a lot because she's very active on the on the lockdown network but uh it was really fun conversation we talked about AJ Hinch talked about the Red Sox talked about the Tigers talked about the 2013 ALCS. Sadly, I'm sure there's a lot of people who may not want to listen to that, but I, I implore you to because this was really a lot of fun so go ahead and listen to that and then I'll be back at the end to recap this uh this entire show this is exciting. I don't think we've ever recorded together. No, we haven't. This is the first time. What a treat. Okay, so we have a three-game series starting today, May 4th. Hopefully some Star Wars content coming in from the series opener tonight. How are you feeling going into this series? I mean, not great. Um, I know Red Sox had a few slip-ups there over the weekend uh, in Arlington against the uh, the Rangers, but I mean, this is a Tigers offense that a month into the season is shaping up to be historically bad. Uh, we're, we're talking about a team with an OPS plus about as low as it gets. Um, only one guy, I believe, currently in their lineup, maybe two, with OPSs over a 700. So it's been it's been a frustrating ride thus far. If there's any saving grace. It's been the fact that uh, Hinch has said many times he wants the identity of this team to be starting pitching. And really, thus far into the season, it has. They've gotten good starts out of Matt Boyd. They've gotten good outings out of Urania. Falmer's pitched better baseball than we've seen him pitch in several years. Casey Mize is still a work in progress, but he's given them some good outings. So if they're going to win any games in this series, um, it won't be 8-7. Eight, eight to seven. We're going to be seeing a lot of uh, low-scoring games, which they've won a few of those, and they've also lost quite a few of those, including several over the weekend. Uh, against the Yankees so I you know here they with the off day hopefully helped them because they seem like a team that was pretty battered and bruised they have had a few injuries Miguel Cabrera I I mean he's been dealing with injuries for the last five six years and Nomar Mazzara is still on uh, the injured list so they're gonna they're gonna have to find some something from somebody to find a way to get some sort of production going forward here yeah so coming into this series I checked the standings on the MLB app um the Tigers are eight and twenty-one, nine and a half games out of first in your division. You're one and nine mm-hmm. in your last ten. 
You have a five-game losing streak. You got swept by the Yankees. And you have a minus 62 run differential. <laughs> you know, when that you put it that way, be, it sounds That has awful. to be the worst in baseball, oh, right? No, it, it, it's not only the worst. It's the worst by a substantial margin. I believe the Reds are second. And they have a minus 26 run differential. That's the thing. They, usually at this point in the season, you kind of have a lot of gridlock in, in regards to team statistics because you've only played a month. And so it's hard to kind of separate yourself from the pack. Like any given night, you could go from first in the league in runs to, to fifth. Uh, they are last in baseball by a substantial margin. It is uh, they, when they're losing games, they're losing uh, blowouts. And when they're winning games, they're barely winning them. So it looks like it's the Pirates who have the minus 26 run differential. And because okay, Cincinnati yeah. seems Cincinnati seems to have turned it around. They're at plus eight now. But it's crazy. You know, like you said, a, one or two games can kind of change that trajectory completely. The Milwaukee Brewers, <laughs> for example, are in first place in their division. But they have a minus one run differential right now. Right. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, the the idea is that, you know the deeper it goes on to the season, that stuff, the water will kind of find its level there. But um, I mean, we're talking about a team that it's not like they've had a, a bunch of bad breaks. They're not like the White Sox who have suffered, you know, injury after injury. Starting pitching has been relatively stable at points. Um, it's just a, it's just not a particularly talented roster. And they didn't do a whole lot in the off season to bolster what was already a pretty poor uh, lineup. Yeah. And you mentioned the White Sox. I mean, Luis Robert, is on the yeah. injured list now for a long time um, with a torn hip flexor, you know, best case scenario, late August of this season, you know, Dustin May is having Tommy John surgery next week, which is a terrible break for the Dodgers. Seems like May it's starting to be injury season. So, I mean, I, I, I know best case scenario, like you're losing, but you're healthy. It's not much of a consolation prize, but it is something. The only reason it is slightly a consolation prize is that they're trying to build this whole rebuild is predicated on development of starting pitching. Like I know they have Riley Green in the system who I think is going to be a star and they have Spencer Torkelson who was the number one overall pick, but this whole thing is built around the health for one and two, the success and development of Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, and Matt Manning. Two of them we've seen this year. Uh, Matt Manning will be getting called up here uh, shortly once the minor league season starts to get rolling. So, I mean, ideally you want to see those guys healthy. You know, you want to avoid serious injuries and it's been more execution. That's been their problem as opposed to health, at least in regards to the the pitching staff. And I feel like that's almost more frustrating, you know, when you have the talent, but they're not executing. And obviously our teams are in very different positions right now, but I have to say after this series against the Rangers this weekend, That was the most frustrating thing is you come into this series, you're in first place, they're in dead last in their division, and they beat you in three or four games. And you know that your team is miles better than theirs. I mean, the Red Sox just beat Jacob deGrom, for God's sakes. And I mean, they they did it with a one nothing final score of the game, but still they got a run off of Jacob deGrom. That almost never happens. And then you look at that and you're like, how did you go from that to losing to the Texas Rangers three out of four games? And it's kind of like, well, if you show me that you're better than this, I'm going to hold you to the standard that you've set for yourself. So, of course, I'm annoyed, you know? No, I've, I've been there many times. I mean, it, it was it was a running theme in the last several years uh, in which Verlander was pitching where uh, he would go out and deal. I mean, he lost to Cy Young because of this. I mean, he was so good in 2016, but uh, the record was 
I think he's 16 and nine. I mean, it was solid, but uh, he was not getting the kind of run support that other guys were getting. And he, he pitched well enough to have a 21 season uh, and didn't. And, and it's, it's the most frustrating part because there is uh, this half of the team that I feel like is relatively serviceable. The bullpen stinks and has stunk for a while, but I still think there's some upside with guys like Gregory Soto. Um, it's it, the offense is, it has just been poor. I mean, you had a game yesterday where, or I'm sorry, on Sunday where, uh, Jose Urania retired 17 in a row to end his start, which is the most that any tiger has ever retired consecutively uh, in Yankee stadium. And you come away with, I believe it was two hits and you end up losing the game. It's, it's really disappointing because you, I feel like if the front office would have had the kind of off season that the Red Sox have where they're going out and they're adding uh, Gonzalez and they're adding Kike Hernandez, kind of some nice pieces. And of course you have the bounce back of, of JD Martinez, which I, I figured would happen. Uh, and all of a sudden you have a, uh, an offense that was you know pretty poor a year ago is all of a sudden uh, seeing the ball pretty well. Uh, I feel like with a few solid moves, uh, this could have been a team that right now would be hovering around 500 just with a league average offense. And yet uh, here we are with what I believe is uh, the, the worst record in baseball. I think you're right on that. Definitely the worst run differential in baseball by like three times the second right. worst. I feel, I mean, I feel terrible just even looking at that. Have you guys heard about sports trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added the baseball to the platform, so check it out today. Making money with sports trade is as simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance, and two, good old supply and demand. Baby, when you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you'd like. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 Female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. Yeah, the Red Sox, I think, had a really strong offseason, which brings me to the biggest question, I think everybody's going to have and the biggest topic of conversation surrounding this series, which is it once again pits AJ Hinch against Alex Cora for the first time since right. the 2019 season, I guess, when the Astros and the Red Sox played each other. But now, of course, it's the Tigers and the Red Sox. What are your impressions of Hinch as your manager so far? Uh, I mean, I was all for it from the beginning. 
I I wanted the guy. I I liked the hire. Like the way I've gone about it is, we could talk for days about the punishment and whether he deserved more or should have gotten more or you know, should have been two years or should have been a lifetime. But we could talk about that forever. But the fact is, it happened. They gave him one year. Uh, and, and look, I especially I was I talked to John Boy like about a month ago, and even he was like, man. It should have just been a, a full 162 game suspension. Why they did a calendar year uh, is kind of crazy, but it, he fell into the Tigers' lap. I think he's a top three manager in baseball. I think he's great. I think he's a great communicator. There's what, and I said this is, from the beginning is uh, this team's got a long way to go, and uh, we're in year five of the rebuild. And right, the last month has been as bad as I've seen it since this thing began in 2017. But uh, the manager isn't the issue. Uh, I know this guy's a great communicator. I, he's thrown out. 29 different lineups in 20 in all in all 29 games so it's not like he's become complacent with with the losing he's trying to adjust the problem is even the best managers in the world and you guys have had several uh, great ones in in, uh, in in Boston over the last you know decade plus with with Francona and, and then Farrell did won a World Series and, and Cora obviously uh, a good a good manager can only do so much for you a, a, a great manager can take a good team and make them really good or great. You you could give uh, you know any the best manager in baseball this roster right now, and I don't see him winning more than seventy games because there's just not a whole lot there. But I'm happy he's in Detroit. Like I think that it was a perfect hire at the perfect time. It's one of the only moves that Alavila, the GM, has made over the last several years that I wholeheartedly agreed with. I was surprised uh, that uh, they reached out to him as quickly as they did, knowing there might be some some blowback, but. I think that as time's gone on, I don't the, the vitriol regarding that scandal, people have already kind of moved on from it. Like if a year ago everyone thought it was the worst thing in the world and nothing will ever you know, be worse than this and we're going to be thinking about this for years to come. It's been a year. We had a 60 game season. We crowned a World Series champion. We had a whole pandemic that we had to deal with. Uh, I, I think in general, uh, people are more receptive to the fact that these guys are going to get uh, you know, high upper tier jobs in baseball. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, Hinch fell into the Tigers lap. I, I wish they would surround him with a little bit more though. Yeah. I mean, I always was really impressed with AJ Hinch before mm -hmm. everything happened. My only thing, yeah. and we don't have to get too deep into the scandals and everything. My only thing mm -hmm. that kind of threw me for a loop was when he said that he knew about the cheating scandal. Like when he knew about the scheme mm -hmm. and said that um, he knew about it and he kind of tried to stop it. He tried to damage like the equipment that they were using, yeah. but that he didn't really do anything about it. And that to me right. was like really disheartening just from a managerial standpoint, because it meant that he didn't have control over his own team. And that was just really shocking because to me, that's, I don't, I'm not going to say it's worse than him being than him actively participating but it was really concerning just from a leadership standpoint of these guys devised a scheme under his nose and then mm -hmm. and they thought that they could get away with it and even when they weren't getting away with it meaning that he found out about it they still were able to carry on with it because he didn't stop them and he couldn't stop them or he could stop them, but he didn't want to, whatever the, the reasoning behind it, whatever the specifics, he said that he tried to stop them, but he didn't actually end up stopping them. Right. And I don't think the tigers are going to do that. So I don't, I'm not like super concerned 
you know, I think that everybody in baseball to a certain extent is just sick and tired of cheating scandals and they just want to play baseball, right. especially after the pandemic. Like the cheating scandals of 2019 going and tw early 2020 going into a year of pandemic, I feel like everyone's kind of like, we just want to play baseball. So that's great. Yeah. But just as just of him as a person and as a leader, that's always the thing that kind of came to mind over the last year or so. And when he got rehired was just, well, you lost control of your team. And when that happens, I, um, it's really hard yeah. to get back to that, I feel like. I, I Look, I agree with you completely. And, and basically all the arguments I've heard kind of against him and against that scandal, I, I can't really argue. Uh, just the way I feel about it is that I think there comes a point, sadly, where the environment becomes bigger for than you to be able to control. I think that this was a huge scheme and system that was kind of overrun by by Lunau and the people that were in charge of the organization. We all wish that somebody would have been able to do more. I wish Hinch, Hitch, Hinch would have spoken up about it. I, you know, would have made the game of baseball better. But I think you saw. Uh, not just with the sign stealing scandal, but the stuff that happened with uh, Tubman, you know, those ridiculous comments uh, after the, the ALCS in 2019, that there was, there was kind of an ugly culture there from the beginning. And, and like, I, I make no excuses for uh, how he went about things in regards to how he controlled the clubhouse and how he uh, handled that situation. I, I think that that is, uh, it's a, it's a black mark on the game. It, it's, it's a, it was a horrible scandal that he was, the head of a team that basically stole a world series. But I, when you go through the kind of seasons that we've gone through here in Detroit, um, a, a 98 loss season, number one, overall pick 98 loss season, fifth overall pick 114 loss season, first overall pick last year in the 60 game season, third overall pick. You're seeing some teams that are not just bad, but historically awful. I just want a guy who I know does his job well. And I know that AJ Hinch, um, despite everything that happened there, is great at managing a bullpen. Uh, he's ana analytically minded, but he's not overly robotic in, in terms of uh, allowing this, the analytics to just be gospel. He, he is capable of, of going with his gut. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that will always be a part of him. It's something that will always follow him. Um, but it, he did a good job from the beginning of, of putting the kibosh on it and saying, uh, those aren't the Detroit Tigers stories. Those are my stories. And, and I do believe that there should be uh, some pathway to redemption and some second chance. And, and so far uh, in his time in Detroit, I think he's, he's, he's earned the right to be given another opportunity. You know, I think the biggest overarching question for both of these guys and also for Tony La Russa, you know, in a different way with the DUI right. situation last year, I think the biggest question that we always end up talking about in baseball is how many second chances does somebody get or how many chances mm -hmm. does somebody get? Also, um, who deserves a second chance? And at the end of the day, it's not a black and white situation. Every case is different. You know, I honestly thought that Cora was going to get a steeper punishment than Hinch and Lunau. Uh, yeah. Just because it was two scandals. And then, you know, of course, the commissioner's office came out and said, you know, we're only punishing him for Houston because we didn't find anything in Boston. Whether or not I believe that, whether or not anybody else believes that is a different story. But that's what they came out and said. I think it's really hard because at the end of the day, it's not exactly an answerable question. Right. Or a singularly answerable question, you know, one answer that fits like one size fits all. 
Um, the one thing that does upset me, though, is, you know, when when all of these teams were interviewing managers over the last few months of over the few months of the offseason before the hirings were announced or however long. There were a lot of really talented candidates out there. I know the Red Sox interviewed like six people at least, and a lot of them I really liked. And I kind mm-hmm. of thought to myself, well, you know, these are young, hardworking people who've been in the game for a really long time and they've paid their dues. And it kind of sucks for them that other people are getting second chances before they even get their first. And right. that doesn't that doesn't yeah. mean that people don't deserve second chances. It just kind of sucked because this is a, you know, baseball, there's 30 teams and it's a limited amount of job openings for this specific job. And it just kind of, it was, that was kind of hard for me because I, I came to like some of the Red Sox candidates when I kind of talked about them on Locked on Red Sox in the fall. That's not to say that I'm not happy that Cora's back or that I don't think that he deserved a second chance or that I think it was the right decision. I'm still, I still go back and forth on that now. It just means that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of sad for them. I think that they still have, they're still waiting their turns. Yeah, and you're you're right, and that is the the unfair world of of Major League Baseball. Sometimes I do think that even the Tigers spotted that to a certain extent because George Lombard is widely considered. He was the the Dodgers uh, bench coach, I believe, last season. Is widely considered to be one of the best human beings in baseball, and a guy who's going to be a manager. Interviewed for the Tigers managerial position, and had Hinch not fallen into their lap, I think probably would have gotten it. Um, and I think the Tigers realize that there's there's a special talent here. Now he's currently their their first base coach, and uh, depending on how successful they are, will be in line to get uh, a managerial job here really soon. I mean, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's that unfair world of of professional baseball and unfair world of business. Really, is is the better way to put it. But um, as I said, you you become more willing to accept uh, this stuff when. You you have a team that has struggled the way that uh, the Tigers have over the last several seasons, and I never had any issue with Ron Gardenhire. I knew why he was there, but I just knew he wasn't the guy. And um, the Tigers saw an opportunity and they took it. I think that uh, despite how unfair things may be sometimes, uh, you got to go ahead and grab the guy that you think is going to do the best job. And I believe that AJ Hinch was that guy. Yeah, I mean, we, I say we, like it's my team. Um, the Red Sox also interest, uh, interviewed Lombard and really liked him. He's one of the guys I was actually thinking about when I said that. Um, you know, I think I think one of the best things that an organization can do is kind of stock, not stockpile, but kind of have those people in their pipeline. Mm-hmm. Because for starters, they're building up the other levels of your organization, whether they're in your minor league system, whether they're coaching for your current manager but it's kind of like the minor leagues of your staff in a way they're yeah. gaining that experience. They're already part of your team. You know, that eventually they'll get that big league call up and you have them ready to go. And I, I think, you know, that's a really good way to have it. That being said, you know, the Red Sox for years have had tons of good people in their system from leadership standpoints, you know, even their current general managers and they still went outside of their system and hired Chaim Bloom, for example, um, Cora right. obviously was a different situation because he played for the Red Sox, was on the 07 championship team, was, you know, teammates with Pedroia. So obviously him coming back was kind of a no brainer the first time he was hired as their manager. But part of me really felt like the Red Sox needed a clean slate. I, I was going to ask you, 
when you tweet about the Tigers or more specifically AJ Hinch, or I don't know if you see it on the replies to, you know, the Tigers social media accounts, do you get a lot of like Hinch cheater comments on your social? Um, it's dissipated over time. I remember when I first brought up, it shows kind of how much the passage of time kind of heals everything because I tweeted when Garden Hire retired uh, that I wanted AJ Hinch. And it was about a 70-30 split of people, 70% being on board with it, 30% saying no, cheater. And then he got hired and it dropped from about 70-30 to about 90-10. And now every so often I still get a, a, a cheater comment, but I think, yeah, time heals all wounds. And had they have, let's say we live in a world where there was no suspension and the Tigers would have hired him last season. I think the vitriol regarding hiring a guy who maybe who got away with something for, for so long uh, would not have been as ideal. But uh, we've gone through the ringer of these awful seasons and we, we've gone through the, the pandemic season. And I think the fan base has become uh, more receptive to the idea. I, I do think Hinch likes, uh, likes the, the environment that he's created. In Detroit, I think he does like the fan base. I, I don't see people, um, like I, you know, there's always going to be those outliers, but I think we're we're talking about a, a small two three percent of people who just aren't uh, are never going to be comfortable with the idea. But I think I think over time, uh, people are going to it's going to grow on people because uh, if he's given a good team, I think he'll do a good job. Absolutely, and it all comes back to you know, time heals all wounds, but also when he wins with you guys. Even with a team that's not cheating, that will show a lot of people. And, and that's what I said too. Is it's it's so, there's something storybook about the idea where you have a guy who was a great manager who was on top of the world, you know, cheated, uh, lost his job, and ha- has been sent to kind of the pit of baseball of the baseball world in Detroit. <laughs> if he, I mean, really, no, if he I, wins I, I know. here. If he wins here, it's his redemption. It not only redeems, it's not only an amazing story for what he does in Detroit, but it kind of redeems what he did in Houston, where the, all the so many people who said this guy was only a winner because he cheated are going to come back around and say, well, maybe not. Maybe the guy knew what he was doing. So that's why I think Detroit was appealing to him. Because I think that A.J. Hinch, uh, as stoic as he is, he cares about the game of baseball, and I think he wants to be somebody who is liked. He wants to be somebody who has a good legacy, and I think the idea of going to Detroit, which is a place that he briefly played at, um, and, and coming uh, coming back there and trying to kind of build this thing from the ground up, I, I think it, it became very appealing to him that his legacy could kind of be reversed uh, if if he wins here, and I think it's one of the reasons why he decided to come to Detroit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even 
a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I always forget that AJ Hinge actually like played baseball. Barely. He it was like what, six seasons, seven seasons? It was around that. The thing the thing I've learned, Gabrielle, is that if you're a backup catcher in baseball at any point, you're gonna end up being a manager. Like Five years from now, Jeff Mathis. Jeff Mathis is probably going to be managing the Yankees. Like every, like all, so many uh, former catchers, but like lifetime, you know, kind of backup catchers uh, have become managers. So yeah, I didn't know because that was that was the first Tigers team I ever watched was 03, which is outside of the expansion Mets, the worst team in the history of baseball in terms of in terms of run differential and win loss record. And uh, yeah, he was on that team, so uh, he knows what it's like to be at the bottom, and he knows what it's like to be at the top. Like what he did. Um, in Houston. So no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he's here. I, I hope that they, they surround him with, with a team that will allow him to uh, really, you know, kick this thing into the next gear. So I got curious just now I pulled up his stats on baseball reference, his player stats, not his manager stats. Right. Um, best batting average of his career was a 250 in 2000 with Oakland. The most home runs he ever hit in a season was nine in Oakland and the year that he played for Detroit, he hit 203 with a 392 slugging, a 639 OPS, and three home runs. Uh, on he's that kind team, of, he was probably kind of one a, of the better hitters. Oh, I was going to say, so he kind of slots right in with your Tigers now, right? Exactly. He'd be the best <laughs> hitter in our lineup, probably. If the manager could suit up and play like they did in the old days, we might be, we might be rolling. No, well, yeah, I know. I, I did not remember him much as a player, but uh, I'm glad he's here. Well, it's funny that you say that because I saw on David Ortiz's Instagram story today and I hate, I almost, I just remembered when I said David Ortiz that I'm talking to a Tigers fan. So I'm not trying to bring up like 2013 uh, postseason I, it, trauma. I, look, I've, been, I've been through the, I've, I've been through the therapy. I've gone through it. I, <laughs> I, I, I've, I, I've, I've dealt with my trauma the way that everyone else dealt with their trauma. So I'm, I'm at a, I'm at a point now that you asked me three years ago, Gabrielle, I probably wouldn't have been able to discuss it, but right now I'm in a better place. We can bring up 2013. Okay, well, I hate to scare you, but <laughs> David Ortiz on Monday posted in his Instagram story a picture of him standing by the warning track in center field at Fenway Park. So he might be at the game today. Oh, boy. And I tweeted well, it out and I was like, Poppy heard the offense was slumping and hopped on the jet for Logan Airport. If only retired players could pinch hit. Because they really need him right now. Yeah, and uh, given and his track like, record no. against, <laughs> given his track record, I'm sure he'd probably go three for four with two doubles and a home run. I mean, there there was, you know, 2013 was the worst of it. But um, I remember the next year there was a game on Sunday Night Baseball. Tigers were up by a run. I think Jabba Chamberlain came in to pitch the ninth because Joe Nathan wasn't available, who probably would have blown it anyway. But they brought in Chamberlain, and um, 
Tigers were down a run, and you just knew when Ortiz came up there, he was going to put him in front. You just knew. Um, and I think uh, Java threw him a, a cement mixer slider that that Ortiz crushed. So it wasn't just 2013, but yeah, I mean, we we still uh, we still have nightmares about him here about Poppy, who who looks like he could still probably play. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that we're talking about the 03 Tigers, um, obviously, and that was the first year that David Ortiz joined was on the Red Sox. First of all, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, so you know, the start of something magical, and also because right. Ron Gardenhire. I believe had been his manager. That's right. Cause he, I think his first who didn't appreciate twins. him with the twins. Did they, and did they not get along or did he just not play him? He just didn't play him very often. And Poppy said in his biography that um, he just felt like garden hire was never going to really give him a chance. And hmm. um, you know, of course, then he comes to Boston. It's like the twins have literally been kicking right. themselves ever since. Like they, like they've publicly yeah. stated it's like the biggest mistake they've ever made. I mean, that's like, on the level of trading Mookie Betts, for example. Um, yeah, it's on par, yeah. <laughs> almost worse, actually, because A, Ortiz is actually good in the postseason, and B, because they actually just let Ortiz walk, so they didn't even get anything in return. They just cut. That's right. Um, yeah. But, you know, 2003 Tigers, you can take solace in the fact that you've never been compared to the Cleveland Spiders. And in 2019, That's... an American League executive said that the Baltimore Orioles were only slightly better than the Cleveland Spiders. And in 1899, the now non-existent Cleveland Spiders had a 20 and 134 record. <laughs> in 2019, we were worse than the Orioles, so maybe we were on par with the with the Spiders oh, no. that year. But yes, you're right. I mean, it was um, that was that was the bottom of the barrel. But uh, I don't know. I, I say that, but it seems like watching having having watched what I've watched over the last month, I feel like there's there's a little bit more room at the bottom of that barrel. It seems like. Well, okay. So before we wrap this up, we have to talk about Dave Dombrowski because we are both yeah. members of the We Survive Dave Dombrowski Club for our teams. <laughs> this is like a two part question. So first of all, yeah. what was the aftermath of Dave Dombrowski? Like, what was the cleanup for from Dave Dombrowski? like for your franchise because I have not been super tuned in. I wasn't super tuned in like when he left Detroit. I know that obviously you guys haven't been good in a long time, but also right. what are your thoughts on Jambrowski in Philly? Uh, well, I mean, I'll, the way Dombrowski went about things in Detroit is really no different than how he went about things in Boston. The fact right. is in Detroit, he was given carte blanche to spend money to uh, trade whoever he wanted for whoever he wanted. He's, he is not a guy, I think he's capable of rebuilding, but he's just a guy who has no interest in it. It is a pedal to the metal. We are in win now mode right now. We don't care who we have to trade away. I mean, the Tigers, when they got David Price in 2014, I remember people being like, I don't know who they're going to trade because the, the farm system is shot, but he, is, he was the master of that. Um, I think public opinion of him is, very, is rel relatively positive. He was flawed as a uh, as a GM. I mean, he he never constructed a solid bullpen, and I think he learned from that uh, in Detroit, which is one of the reasons why one of the first big moves he made in Boston was he went out and got Kimbrel, who was despite the postseason in inconsistency had you know several All Star caliber seasons uh, in Boston was part of the, that incredible team in, in 2018. So there were flaws with him as a GM. I always defended him because I find it cool like to have a guy that you know is in win now mode. The problem is, and this is the biggest detriment, uh, he will gut your farm system like a fish and, and, I mean, just brutalize it. And if you win a championship, 
that's okay because the thing that you guys can do in Boston is you can put on the 2018 World Series DVD and watch it anytime. Those memories are still real. As good as the teams were from 06 to 2014 in Detroit, we're talking four straight division titles at one point, two World Series appearances, three, four actually appearances in the ALCS. You had Cy Young winners and MVPs. There's that bitter taste of they never won a championship. I don't put that on him necessarily. I know they couldn't construct a bullpen. I think he probably held on to Jim Leland uh, for far too long as a manager as well. But all that, all that I can forgive. Um, The problem is he left Detroit in difficult standing. Um, The farm system was completely depleted, uh, which Alavila was left kind of having to rebuild that. Uh, They had given out some terrible contracts. I mean, Nobody thought Miguel Cabrera would fall off like this, but they're paying the guy until he's going to be like 43. So you kind of had some idea he was going to fall off. He gave Victor Martinez the big extension. He didn't do much in three of the four years that he was here. But general belief was we still liked him and wanted him and wanted him in Detroit. As far as what he's doing in Philly now, and I love Nebrowski, and I know he's going to do all he can to win. It's a it's the most difficult circumstance that he's had since he came to Detroit because what he what he had when he got to Boston was a historically good farm system. I mean, what you guys had with Moncada and Kopech, I mean, you guys had so many uh, really good pieces in your system that he then traded away to acquire Chris Sale and to acquire Craig Kimbrell. And by the way, they still had Mookie Betts, who was a budding star, and Bradley, and Benintendi, and he went out and signed Price, who ended up pitching some you know, heroic baseball in 2018. The Phillies do not have that benefit. They do not have that great farm system that uh, he had when he was in Boston. Now, he did a, a good job of, of – they still got Harper. They still have a good team. Like Every time I watch him, I say they should be better, but he's going to have the same issue that he had in Detroit, which is their bullpen is still really bad. You know, Aaron Nola is – a phenomenal pitcher. Zach Wheeler has been better in Philly than he was in New York. They're to have pieces and they have a good offense. Ria Muto is one of my favorite players in baseball. Harper's still really good. Didi's still solid. There's a lot of pieces, but the question will be, can he supplement those pieces with a good bullpen behind them? That'll be the question because that division's tough. The Mets aren't going anywhere. Uh, the, I think the Braves are going to turn it around at some point. The Nationals seem to be kind of on the, on a downslide, but they're still tough. They still have some really good players. Uh, it's going to be a difficult situation for him, but I still, despite what happened, I still find myself rooting for him because I know on his best day, there's not a lot of GMs that I would rather have in win now mode. If we're talking people who can rebuild, yeah, there's guys I'd rather have, but if we're talking pedal to the metal, let's spend, let's bring in some guys, let's be good. There is something fun about knowing that when David Dombrowski is your GM, you go into every season thinking, yeah, we might have a shot this year. My biggest thing with Dave Dombrowski and I feel terrible because you guys are, well, now with the Phillies, but I believe you guys are the only franchise he never won with. I mean, he won with the Marlins. Yes, that's true. I, and, and he and, won and, with the and, Red Sox. I know. I mean, to win with the Marlins, I mean, you guys, I, you know, I know they won it yeah. in 03 basically on accident, but I mean, they, they, what he, he's, he's one of the best executives of all time. Like he's had a borderline Hall of Fame career as an executive. And uh, yeah, I mean, all the pieces were in place. That's the thing is people say, yeah, they never constructed a bullpen. I'm sorry, but I, I will grow to my grave believing and the, the not series numbers reflected this, that that 2013 team is maybe the most talented they've ever had. I mean, you had Verlander and Scherzer in their primes. 
You had Doug Fister. You had Anibal Sanchez winning an ERA title. You had Miguel Cabrera, who was on top of the world, fielder. I think that's the best team maybe in Detroit Tigers history. And they lost a series in Boston where they had more hits. They might have had more runs. They had a lower ERA, but it was a bullpen that gave up two grand slams that and ended up costing them. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's still a difficult pill to swallow. Like, I mean, the Red Sox had 86. The Tigers have 2013. Like, that to me is will always be the year where every all the pieces fit and they still weren't able to get over the hump. So, yeah, that was just part one of my conversation with Gabrielle Starr of Lockdown Red Sox. This is going to be a two-parter. You can follow her on Twitter at GFStar1. That's star with two R's and the number one. So that will do it for today's show. Tomorrow I will have part two of that conversation up, and uh, I'm going to talk about tonight's game as well, which is going down in Fenway Park, I believe it's 710. So you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Be right back here tomorrow, like I said, with part two, and recapping a Tigers game in Boston. A win? Eh, hopefully, maybe, we'll see. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts.